Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yes, who's back? Shady? Back again. Yeah. So I always, there was a time when I wasn't a Christian, just yeah. to be clear. <laughs> so there was. You weren't born a Christian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I was It's an important distinction, especially around here. Well, I guess to be, to be fair, there was someone who was born a believer. There's only been one, John the Baptist. He leapt in his mother's womb for leapt in his mother's womb for joy. God set his spirit upon him in the womb. True. But beyond that, no one else I know was born a Christian. Yeah, that's true. You might have been born into a Christian family, but you're never born a Christian. True. True. Hey, we were just talking before this and decided, hey, let's just hit roll on this. Let's just talk um, about it. We talked yesterday about anxiety that can creep in with uh, things going on in the world. And, and Pastor Rod said part of that might come through um, that whole concept of, you know, all the information that we have access to. It's literally at our fingertips. And you said it's been 15 years that we've had such ease, at, ease of access to all these things. <sighs> Crazy. Um, Modern history. Yeah. And you made a comment. You said, I wouldn't give it up. I want the access. But it's been a net negative is what you said. <laughs> Don't be using my words against me. I just am saying. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I want it because I think there's good, there, there's value to it. Okay. The access and the ability to utilize it for its greatest and noblest purpose purposes is good. But like all things tainted with sin, there's going to be things that we have to work through as a, as a culture and as a people to say, how do we best mitigate the inherent negatives? And I was talking about the fact that you're seeing stuff on, on Twitter slash X and you're seeing videos and I'm saying, I don't know if that video is from Israel. I don't know when that video was shot. I'm, I'm trying to get reputable sources that I could say, I, I could probably trust this guy, but if he's retweeting somebody or reposting now, I, I mean, I just don't know so much of what's so anxiety inducing about our modern age is that we're inundated with information from all over the world at yeah. near breakneck speeds. And we have very little mechanisms in place that allow us to say, this is reliable. This is trustworthy. I should pay attention to this versus, Hey, don't give any attention. This is a bot. This is a, this is a counter intelligence attack. We just don't know. And that's, what's frustrating. I think we need to figure out how to grow through this, but I don't want to give it up. Yeah. I guess I'm on the other side. Like I, I would give it up. I think I, I'm not saying there wouldn't be things I would miss on it, but I think I would give it up. I, I, I just like, I, give, I saw this video it up as in give up all of social media. I, I yeah. Social media. I, we've talked about AI. Like I would trade AI tomorrow. I'd, I'd sell the ship. I'd say, go, go away and go back to the hell hole that you came from. No way, man. No um, way. I, dude, I saw, I saw a video. Did you hear about the Marquez Brownlee video that just went out recently? No, he, uh, he had to, he even posted about it. It was a deep fake of him. And he was saying, you know, you guys have, uh, are on this, or I'm sorry, it wasn't Marquez. I take that back. It was, uh, it was, uh, who's the Mr. Beast guy. Oh, um, yeah. Mr. Mr. Beast. Beast. Yeah. It's just on YouTube. So it was him and he was saying, Hey, you're seeing this video because you've been chosen as one of, you know, 10,000 people that I've, I've picked to give new iPhones to. Now, if you've ever watched Mr. Beast, he does outrageous things. That's totally believable. It's believable. And so the video that circulated around social media was asking for their information. Hey, click this link and submit your information and and Uh, then somebody from our team will get in touch with you. Yep. Smart. But what's crazy is this is not, this is not a phishing link. That's an email. This is a guy. It, it's a AI creation of the the YouTube host that looks and sounds exactly like him. So much so that he yeah. reposted it and said, "This is not me." Wow! 
Yeah, that's crazy. That's the world that we live in now. And that's what I'm suggesting is that those are the natural hazards of sin, man with sin. I mean, it's the same thing. You get, you put any tool in man's hands and they're going to use it for sinful purposes. Right. Guaranteed. Right. It doesn't mean the tool is broken. It means we're broken and we need to figure out how to work through it in a way that's helpful and beneficial for all. We'll never reach that place because that's perfection. That's under Christ and Christ alone. But that's why we have speed limits and that's why we have gun, gun licenses. I mean, we have these measures in place for the express purpose of saying, how do we restrain sin and promote good? I think we have to do the same thing with AI, with social media and everything else. I just don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll hit rewind and go back to living on a log cabin on a <laughs> little house in the prairie hey, somewhere. Man, the Amish have done that. So if you want to start Compass Amish Church, <laughs> maybe we should talk. I think our attendance would drop. <laughs> Anyways, hey, we are going to jump into Isaiah uh, 48 and 49 today and then Colossians chapter 4. Let's Isaiah, do it, man. I'm excited. Isaiah 48 and 49. Uh, Isaiah 48 is, uh, hey, man, it, it, I don't I know about love you. Isaiah, man. Yeah, but 48 was was difficult for me. Um, it was super easy. Was... <laughs> what you're talking because you used AI, and, and I'm sitting here with a log cabin <laughs> and a shovel trying to understand God's word. Uh, no, but it, it's it's just this idea of like, okay, what's the argument? And, and trying to trace his argument sometimes gets murky. Yes, and yes it is challenging. At the beginning, he's talking about the former things God is and reminding Israel of uh, of who he is and, and what he's done and uh, their sinfulness in the past because uh, you're obstinate and your neck is like iron sinew. Your forehead is brass. I declared these things from old so that you would know when they come to pass that I did them. Right. In other words, when all this happens, don't be shocked and realize that... Calling my shots ahead of time. Yeah. You may not like what I'm saying right now and uh, I get that, but know that... This is from me when it happens. And then he says, and then also I'm going to tell you about new things, not just the former things, but also the new things. Um, and, uh, and he goes on there to talk about delivering. And you, you might say, okay, why would God deliver such an obstinate people? Why would God deliver That's people a good question. like Israel? And he answers those questions for us in uh, verses nine and 10 for my namesake. Okay. So there's number one, his name. So his identity, who reputation. he is, right? His reputation. And, and even his reputation is the second part for the sake of my praise, yep. because he doesn't want nations to look at him and go, look at this God. He couldn't even deliver his own people. Right. Rather, he wants them as, as if you remember back to the Exodus and remember, there's a lot of parallels going on here. The nations heard about what God did in Egypt and they, they feared God as a result. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of Rahab. They, they knew what God had done. And right. so God's praise redounded because of that. So he's going to deliver because of his identity, because of his praise or his reputation. Um, and then he's also going to deliver because of his, his grace and, and mercy, his choice of them. I have refined you, but not a silver. Uh, the, the process of ref- refining silver was to let it go in the furnace until all the dross was removed. Mm-hmm. And the implication here is if God had done that, Israel would have been gone. There was nothing, <laughs> nothing left, left. <laughs> right? And so instead he's using this affliction to uh, to bring them out and he's he's doing this because ultimately he wants his glory out of it. Yeah, that's what verse 11 says, right? For my own sake, he redoubles down on this because he doesn't want us to miss it. He wants them to understand as much as he wants you and I to understand. This is about his glory and his honor. Man, can we say this enough? It's about God. It's about his glory. It's not about you. It's not about me. And verse, chapter 48 of Isaiah, as every other chapter is about, uh, is really about highlighting and exalting the honor and the glory of God. If I, the book of Isaiah doesn't stir you up to say, man, this is really about the high and holy God. I yeah. don't know what else will. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, after this, he begins to call on the people to listen. In fact, he says it there in verse 12. He says it again in verse 14 and again in verse 16. And he's calling for the attention uh, that he's going to perform his purpose. Look at verse 14. Uh, He's going to perform his purpose on Babylon and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. He's talking again about here Cyrus and uh, and what God is going to use and and God is going to do as he accomplishes these things. Again, yet future. But in verse 17, the focus shifts to another one. And it's a different deliverer. It's not Cyrus anymore. It's the servant is back. But this is not the servant, the group. This is the servant, the individual. And the servant, the individual in Isaiah is the servant, Jesus. It's the Messiah. It's the future Davidic king. And he is the one who's going to be uh, the, the Lord's ultimate redeemer. Um, he is the one that is going to be uh, the one that's going to work salvation for the people. Verse 20, notice again the, uh, the, the, the parallelism of the Exodus. Go out from Babylon, free, flee not free, flee from Chaldea, declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it, send it out to the end of the earth, say the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. Yeah, I really appreciated the idea in verse 17. Uh, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Um, he uses this word a few times, Isaiah. And uh, the idea here is that the the success, the, the righteousness is their true success. Israel would profit in, in the best way possible in the, for the meaning of that word if they would simply submit to the leadership that God offers them. And that reminded me of Psalm chapter one, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The one who truly profits is the one who is righteous in Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and even the, the regret that we see a little bit, it, regret maybe is the wrong word, but verses 18 and 19, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness yeah. like the waves. He the longs sea. for them. Yeah, and, and God longs for that. So sweet. For us as well, right? I mean, when we think about our lives right now, I mean, God has given us his commandments and given us his word, as we talked about yesterday in Colossians 3, hey, put off these things and put on these things. And he desires that we would obey that and that we wouldn't find ourselves on eventually at the point of him saying, oh, I, I, yeah, I wish you had. I wish you had done these things and not sacrifice so much um, in, in lieu of obedience. And sometimes our obedience to the Lord and our faithfulness to him can feel like we are sacrificing good things or sacrificing pleasure here or missing out on something here. And yet there's so much goodness and peace and fulfillment and satisfaction to be found in obeying God and obeying his word and staying, uh, walking in, in accordance with his path that he has for us. Um, and it, it may look to the outside like, man, you're, you're losing out on a lot, but with your relationship with the Lord, there's that intimacy that's created there between you and God. That is when, when you have it and when you know it and when you experience it, it's, it's that mindset of going, I wouldn't give this up for anything. Yeah. Pastor PJ, I think we, I think we know what this feels like as fathers. Uh, you know, when you have that yearning for your child, like just do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, when I have to discipline one of my kids, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I, I hate it. I, I really do not like it. And yeah. when, I, when I pray for them, I just, I yearn that they do right. I yearn that they learn to do, to do the wise thing. And I, I love the fatherly heart of God here because it mm. gives you insight into what it is to, to know God's heart. And I think we sometimes feel that. Uh, I think that's what it feels like to be like God. So therefore, I guess in those particular situations, we have to recognize that the only way that we're going to get through to our kids in the same way that God gets through to his own children is by his own spirit. He has to do the work. Mm. You ought to pray mightily for your kids if you want to see that work done in their heart. Yes. Yes. Chapter 49, we turn our attention again to the, the servant. Um, 
back up in verse 16, I don't know that I connected this well enough in, in chapter 48, but this is where it shows up. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Uh, there's a question as to who that's referring to, but I, I, I think it's referring to the servant. I think this is referring to Jesus, the anointed one, the one that would be empowered by the spirit. Um, and certainly in chapter 49, the attention is on this. This servant is on the Messiah, is on the, the future coming king. Uh, and that's uh, what's in view in, in 49.1. The Lord called me from the womb and from the body of my mother. He named my name made my mouth like a sharp sword even that imagery right we think about that how many times is christ referenced as the one who has a sword protruding from his mouth yeah, I mean, revelation yeah revelation twice in revelation yep yeah um and so we see that idea here and he said to me in verse three you are my servant israel in whom i will be glorified now that's interesting right because we're saying this is not the the nation but this is the individual he is the true israel he's the true israel the exactly true and better israel yeah yeah which our covenant brothers would <laughs> pull it on <laughs> Um, but notice in verse four, the servant is saying, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength in, for nothing and vanity. That's an interesting statement because it's like, well, what is, is Jesus complaining? Is Jesus complaining? What's he complaining about? No, I, it seems that what this is is an allusion to the, the fact that the first coming is not going to be glorious. He's They're not going to receive him. Exactly. They're going to reject him. And we talked about that in John in our, our Sunday morning services that That's he right. came to his own and his own did not receive him yet. Surely my right is with the Lord. I thought about first Peter two twenty three there that, uh, where Peter says he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Right. Um, even through his suffering and affliction there. Verse six, he's going to make him a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Uh, that's where we're at right now is the end of the earth, right? We've in that's, that's our goal. That's our job is, is to continue to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Acts one, eight, the, the witnesses. And, and so, um, we know the Messiah. We know this, this servant in, in our job now is to, to be the light, to be the body of Christ. Like we were talking about, I think last week in, in our two two or three episodes ago that we are the, we're here to, to complete what was lacking in his afflictions. Mm-hmm. And part of that is to get his name, to be the light that gets the gospel to the ends of the earth. Well, notice too in verse six here, the reason that God provides for wanting to do that, he says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and, and to bring back the preserved of Israel. Mm. In other words, that's not enough. Jesus deserves more glory. He deserves heavier and weightier glory. Therefore, I will make you as a light to the nations. My salvation may reach to the ends of the earth because it's not enough. It's not sufficient glory for Jesus to only redeem Jacob and Israel. He wants to go further. Boom. Yeah. So good. So good. And then the rest of the chapter, starting in verse eight, the focus does return to Israel. And again, this is is helpful for us, given what's going on right now, that there is this future for Israel where the the bear heights, verse nine, are going to be their pasture. They're not going to hunger or thirst. There's not going to be scorching wind or sun for he who has pity on them will lead them by springs of water and will guide them. Uh, Verse 13, the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Verse 15, I will not forget you. And so passages like this and many others are why we continue to say, we believe that God still has a future for Israel, that God's not done, that he has not forgotten his people. And so the nations rage against his people, Israel, but God is, is there as the one that will have compassion on his people. And, uh, and he is, has not, and will not forget them. Verses 19 through 21. I think we get some, uh, some kind of redux of the, uh, the, the Abrahamic covenant there as he's talking about uh, the, the place is going to feel too narrow. And what does that mean? Well, it means that he's going to multiply them and all of a sudden it's going to feel crowded where before it seemed barren. There was nobody there. But again, they're, they're going to become like the, the sand on the seashore again, like that Abrahamic promise. Genesis 15. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, verse 23, again, I read this this morning and, and granted different eyes given the fact of, of what's going on overseas right now, but kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. With their faces to the ground, they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I mean, we're, we're so far from that right now, obviously, but that day is coming, right? And what's going on right now is, is the exact opposite. The, this is a Psalm 2 that the nations are raging. They're shaking their fist in the face of God. And yet God knows what's coming. He's installed his king. Amen. And, and those who wait for me, he says, shall not be put to shame. Um, there is a temporary shame that comes with following Christ. There is a, there is a, as a present shame, but ultimately the church, uh, true Israel will be vindicated. Yeah. Therefore you should put your hope in him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's flip over to Colossians chapter four. Okay. Okay. I'll do that right now. Colossians chapter four, you may have noticed the last time that at least in the podcast, we jumped over Colossians three eighteen and following, not that you should have done that, but we did that. We, we covered a lot of that already in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter five. There's parallels between uh, both books there, but uh, th- this is good. This is reinforcing. This is Paul writing these things to the church at Colossae, uh, much of which he wrote to the church at Ephesus as well. Um, and so chapter four begins with the tail end of that with some instructions to masters and their bond servants, or we might in our context say employers to their employees there. Um, but then Paul's wrapping up his letter in, in Colossians 4 verses 2 through uh, 6 there are just so so good, so rich that the verse 2 can continue steadfastly in prayer, uh, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. What a, what a cool picture that is of the uh, the one that's on the, the watchtower, uh, the guard, so to speak, and uh, in our, our communication or our, our, our job is to be praying. Um, and uh, praying for what? Well, Paul says, hey, pray for us that an open door may be given to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ and that I might make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. We talk about praying for our services, praying for preaching, and and uh, this is something that I, I look look at as your lead pastor. I, I would cover your prayers on this, that when I stand up to preach, that I would be clear and that I wouldn't muddy the waters. And then praying for one another. We talked a lot this past weekend, didn't we, about sharing the gospel, about going out as ambassadors. We know the secret to life, and, and the secret to life is not a, a gimmick or a thing. It's it's a person. It's Jesus, and we have the message. And so pray for one another. Pray for open doors. So that you might be able to share the gospel and pray that as we have those opportunities to share the gospel church, that we would be clear so that people would know what they need to do with Christ. Amen. And we, and no matter how talented or uh, how, how educated a church may be, it's ultimately the spirit that has to do this, which is why we want to be a church that truly relies on prayer. Uh, that's one of our distinctives. We, we don't have an aspirational desire to be prayerful people. We haven't, we have an actual desire. We want it to be something that truly characterizes us. Jesus is the one who starts this language, right? He tells uh, his disciples, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Yeah. Uh, Paul carries it over. Peter uses the same terminology in first Peter chapter five, verse eight, be watchful, um, or rather be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Um, watchfulness is prayerfulness and, and prayerfulness ought to characterize every Christian. Now you may not have a really great prayer life. It's always easy to, to shame a Christian about this because all of us feel that sense of, I need to pray more. Um, but maybe you could pray better, whatever that looks like. Be serious about it. Make it a point in your day. Make it a point in your life. Let people, uh, like, uh, I guess there's a, there's a, I don't know if it's a legend, but there's, there's stories about James, the, uh, the writer of the epistle who was called old camel knees because he'd always be on his knees praying that he developed calluses on his knees. Mm. I mean, that's a really inspiring thought and I don't know if that's true or not. I guess I should qualify that, but it, it should be true of us to be the kind of people who are prayerful. We want our church to be full of people like this who, who pray. So let Colossians four encourage you that way. Yeah. Amen to that for sure.
Well, that's Colossians. Tomorrow, we uh, jump into our next book together in the New Testament, which is First Thessalonians. And we hope and pray that you'll join us as we continue in Isaiah and pick up First Thessalonians chapter 1 for tomorrow's DBP Daily Bible <laughs> Podcast. That's, a, that's funny. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm -hmm.